The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum, as always, giving you the instant reaction and breakdown to the recent Giants game. And the Giants came out of an up-and-down roller coaster of a game that they had a commanding 14-point lead in at one point. Eventually, this game goes to overtime, and the Giants win in overtime with a Caden Smith pass 41, sorry, catch rather, 41 to 35 in overtime to give them a 4 and 11 record. Caden Smith has two touchdown receptions. The walk-off one was a throw from Daniel Jones, who threw for five touchdown passes and 352 yards, going 28 for 42. But the big stat line here, as if that Daniel Jones stat line isn't already gaudy enough, Saquon Barkley rushed for a career-high 189 yards and a touchdown, and that wasn't that wasn't even the full extent of his huge stat day, but overall, a huge offensive output from the Giants today. I, I think it would be fair to say that this was an offensive explosion from the Giants. You know, Washington, we went over this in a couple different ways in our preview show. Washington's defense is just bad. We saw that on the field. The Giants were able to pretty effectively neutralize their pass rush, and once they did that, that was pretty much it for the game. There was there was no way this wasn't going to be a high-scoring game once the Giants were able to keep Jones upright and keep the pressure away from him. We'll be covering all of that in today's show, and we'll do it as we typically do immediately after a show, giving you the positives and the negatives, discussing them in full depth. But the first positive is the one that we already led into and started talking about, and that is Saquon Barkley getting a lot of touchdowns, sorry, getting a lot of touches and touchdowns, getting a lot of reps, getting the ball as often as possible, 26 touches, helped them get the win in this game. He had 22 carries for 189 yards, like I said, and one touchdown to go along with four receptions for 90 yards and one score. So those amount of touches and the amount of times that he was able to get the football really contributed to this game. And it, it, it seems like this whole season we've been harping on and harping on the fact that the Giants need to get Saquon the ball. And if he's not healthy enough, at the least let him try and do something. But now we know Saquon is healthy. He's back to what he was like last year. He was making defenders that are below average look silly, juking them out, making them unable 
unable to actually make a play or a tackle on him. We saw that multiple times today. If you give him the ball, he's going to put up a big offensive production day. Yeah, yeah. I talked about this in our, the things we learned after the game. Saquon did what Saquon was supposed to do. He was easily the best player on the field for either team. He made a bad defense just look absolutely silly. The Redskins played some absolutely horrible run defense, especially in the first half. The announcers were even talking about how they had multiple guys in the same gap. They were losing contain. They had really no discipline in the run game. And then their tackling was just atrocious. It was really more just diving at players as they ran past. And that's never going to get it, especially against a player like Saquon Barkley when Saquon Barkley is healthy. Saquon did what Saquon is supposed to do and absolutely shredded a defense that is just not up to defending him. Also, finally, the Giants got him the ball in space. They let him get the ball downfield as a receiver. They created opportunities where he only had to make one defender miss instead of getting him the ball in the backfield and trying to make four or five defenders miss. It was great to see. The only question now is why didn't they do this sooner? And by sooner, I don't mean when he was injured and coming back from the high ankle sprain. I mean sooner as in why weren't they doing this last year? Questions like that certainly sum up the current coaching situation as I would say most people are expecting Pat Shermer to not be back next season. We'll still have to see. There's no guarantee in that. We don't know for sure. We'll find that out after week 17, after next week. But the the one key thing here is Saquon obviously got a lot more touches and he got the football a lot more often than he was in most games and most games that they weren't doing well on offense. While he was getting the ball more, the more important thing is he was getting the ball in the best possible opportunities. So they threw him some screen passes. He was able to pick up a 51-yard gain. They threw him a wheel route, which was for a touchdown. Doing whatever they could to not just run him up the middle and hope for the best, which we saw that happen to failing situations for Barkley, specifically in overtime where he ran into big run defenders and was not able to get anything. He was stopped behind the line of scrimmage. But when you put him in space and give him some room to operate, he can make people miss. He can pick up some speed. He can use his acceleration to make plays, which is very rare of a talent that he has is that acceleration, that agility, that elusiveness, being able to pick up full speed in less than a yard or a few yards or so. And we even acknowledge that next gen stats pointed out that he had the fourth fastest, fourth fastest top speed of any player on that 67-yard touchdown run he had in the first quarter, which was 20.54. So that speed and acceleration is very evident in Saquon Barkley, and they finally were able to do that. I'm going to say this, is that whatever coach comes in next, they're going to see stuff like that, and they're going to know, hey, we got to get the, give the ball to this guy 30 times a game, and he's going to he's gonna set us up for some serious victories. Yeah, you, you mentioned that acceleration, and even though he had the fourth fastest top speed, to me, something that is even more insane is Barkley had three of the top 12 fastest plays, fastest top speeds recorded so far this week. And this does not happen often, to my memory, which I admit occasionally can 
occasionally can be faulty, but it's usually not too bad. I have never been able to link the New York Giants and the Mythbusters on a podcast. But the Mythbusters once tested the myth that a human being can out-accelerate an indie car. And they found out if you are a trained sprinter, you know, an elite-level athlete, that is true. Barkley had the 10th fastest run this week, reaching a top speed of 20.21 miles per hour. He did that on a 12-yard run. He reached over 20 miles an hour in 36 feet. That is, to me, utterly insane explosiveness. That is one or two steps, and you are at top speed. That level of acceleration and explosiveness and insane athleticism is why, to bring it all back, is why we are constantly questioning why the Giants don't get him the ball in space and harping on their need to do so. His huge career day was a big reason why, and I would argue the biggest reason why, the Giants were able to win today and put up as many points as they did. Our next positive that we have is the run defense for the Giants, which was a bit underrated, but still was very important in this game. Now, the Redskins don't have a very good offensive line, which we noted in the preview show. Additionally, they don't have the best running backs. Adrian Peterson is towards the end of his career. Chris Thompson is more of a receiving back. They did try to work him in and got him some decent carries, but they were able to hold the Redskins' run offense to only 80 yards and 3.1 yards per carry. We were able to see a lot of penetration. We were able to see a lot of big plays from all of those guys that they brought in and they spent all that money and assets on to have along that defensive line. It was just a, a an overall strong effort, which has been building up over the past few weeks, and it really culminated with today's performance. As I mentioned before, the Giants did what they have to do, which is something they haven't done throughout this year, really. There have been too many instances where their team, and in this case their defense, has given struggling units new life. In this case, the Giants were able to really win the line of scrimmage, have good discipline in run defense. They tackled well. You know, they still gave up two touchdowns, including a really historic one for Adrian Peterson, and kudos to him on that. He joins some really elite company in the record books. But if there was one bright spot for the Giants on defense, it was absolutely their run defense. The run defense came to play. The secondary and the pass defense did not exactly have a great performance, which we're going to discuss in the negatives. Still, though, it was very necessary to point out that those big bodies up front along the line of scrimmage have been improving and getting better and turning into a very tough, strong unit over the past few weeks. And understandably, they haven't played the best teams. You know, they're playing the Eagles run offense. They were playing the Dolphins, and they, this week they played the Redskins. But besides that, though, seeing them work cohesively as a good unit is something that can be built upon into the next year. So the linebackers are still up in the air. We don't know if Alec Ogletree will be back or if he'll even be starting. If he does come back, we'll wait to see what Ryan Connolly is able to do if they decide to bring somebody in. If you have the right linebackers with a defensive line that has the potential that this one does, they could be doing stuff like this every single week. Not allowing a, a team to go over 80 yards is a pretty big deal. And especially when you saw what those 3.1 yards per carry meant was first and second down if they're running the ball they were limiting them to short gains so that made things second and eight making it very very tough for Dwayne Haskins and then eventually Case Keenum to operate 
with a lot more room and distance to get that first down. Finally, the last positive that we have, and we obviously need to talk about Daniel Jones' performance. Again, understandably not against a very good defense, but his performance was very good specifically because of his his decision-making, his ability to make the right decision on his throws, and then the time that was given to him by his offensive line. This was also a good job by the Giants in really kind of protecting Jones. The one thing I think we were both worried about with the Washington defense was their pass rush. They have had a top five really pass rushing unit this season, and they were still able to get some pressure on Jones, but the Giants were able to really control how much and limit the damage. They called a lot of very quick reads for Jones, a lot of short drops in the passing game, uh, one to two read passing plays, and he was able to get the ball out on average very quickly. He took some play action passes deep down the field, and that slowed his time to throw a little bit. He was a little bit over 2.7 seconds, but for the most part, the Giants had good, quick, defined reads for him and gave him the time to make those decisions. And one of the things that stood out to me was just the difference in how they called the game between Eli Manning last week and Daniel Jones this week. You pointed out the one thing that we discussed in the preview show, and the one thing we were the most worried about was the Redskins' pass rush. They have a pretty good unit, and they're top 10 in the ability that they have in pressuring opposing quarterbacks. But in this game, while they were getting in Daniel Jones's face here and there, they weren't really able to disrupt him significantly. Not the ways that we've seen the offensive line make mistakes and lead to sacks or fumbles or interceptions like they'd done earlier in the year. He was able to operate relatively cleanly. He was not on his back or, or any, any, any bad situations that he could make an egregious mistake. And I think that that amount of protection led to him having the day that he did. Throwing for five touchdowns at 342 yards is really a, a big, big deal. And only allowing one sack to a good pass rush, too, overall just really is a good day from the offensive line. An offensive line that has been struggling with many different pieces, especially Nick Gates stepping in, who I thought looked really good today. All of those things that we've dealt, we've seen continuously week after week seem to have been relatively corrected. And for once, it wasn't against a, a bad defensive line and a bad pass rush. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Gates had a bad rep against Montez Sweat when he first came on the field. And I, I think the Giants did kind of get away with some sloppy, undiscipl- undisciplined play from Washington to help uh, – keep the sack total down. I'm thinking of the one where he got back, he hit the ground and then got back up, got hit again. And Washington got called for the penalty on that. It was a high hit. I I'm not arguing the penalty at all, but the giants did kind of get lucky there. The, the overall, the giants did a really nice job of protecting Jones and against a good, really well-rounded balanced unit. Like Washington has that was good to see. Yeah, good to see. Again, very specifically because they were playing against a statistically and also a talently, if that's a word, based 
pass rush that was one of the best in the NFL, that was very underrated and statistically at the, at the top of the league, that they were able to have as good of a day only allowing one sack against that unit is just a, a huge step forward with those young pieces that they have in the offensive line. And while you pointed out Nick Gates might have had some issues, I would argue that he might be a guy that if they continue to develop him, an undrafted player like him, they could either continue to use him as that sixth sixth guy rotating in or maybe at that right tackle spot if they don't want to keep Mike Remmers around for much longer. Now we're going to discuss the negatives, but before we do that, we're going to take a very short commercial break. First negative, and it's one that we were hoping that we did not have to talk about this week because... Our good friend DeAndre Baker was doing so well. He was improving. He was getting better. And we were we were talking so positively about him for a few weeks. And today he took a little bit of a step back. He was guarding Terry McLaurin most of the game, the talented rookie. And Terry McLaurin had seven receptions for 86 yards. Now, I don't know if all those yards were against him without looking at the tape. But Baker visibly struggled against him. A lot of mistakes that we saw from Baker um, getting just beat in situations where McLaurin was cutting and coming back to the football, and DeAndre Baker was going in the opposite direction. Overall, I think that the sec- the secondary, the, the, this young secondary unit, struggled against a very fast and athletic receiving group for the Redskins, which is something we've seen all year. It's a shame that, again, something we keep talking about is taking that step forward and showing improvement at the end of the year it's a shame that we couldn't see that continue with this young group, but they took a little bit of a step back in today's game. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. We saw last game when the Dolphins receivers would press their stems into the Giants defensive backs. They would overcommit, really, to defending the deep pass. Speed seems to really concern this secondary, and credit where it is due— Washington's rookie receiving core, because they're all rookies, does look like it could develop to be something to be wary of over the coming years. McLaurin and Haskins and also Case Keenum have a very good rapport already. Their other receivers, Stephen Sims, uh, Paul Richardson, Kelvin Harmon, those guys, they made plays out there and they were pretty impressive. And it wasn't all the Giants defensive backs derping, although I have to call out Corey Ballantyne for his pass interference in the end zone. That was game over until he pushed the receiver with the ball behind both of them. There was absolutely no reason to do that. It gave Washington new life and really could have cost the Giants the game if Washington had elected to be more aggressive, go for the two-point conversion, and the Giants were not able to answer. Those are, again, just rookie struggles that are once again rearing their ugly heads and doing so at very inopportune times. Now, the secondary didn't give up an egregious passing number as they've done in previous weeks. 281 yards was the number that they gave up, but still you visibly could see the issues when – the Redskins were able to easily pick up first downs and extend and continually string out drives that led to a number of their touchdowns because they, they had that big playability. They were able to, maybe they couldn't run the ball on first or second down, they could still pick up that first down because they had those talented receivers. And that was just a lack of footwork and being in the right position to play the ball. The Corey Ballantyne issue, 
just not being smart and seeing where the ball was going. All he had to do is put his arms up, and if if you know maybe if the that receiver had still fallen over, if he was in his way, I don't think they would have called DPI. But instead, for some reason, the ball was behind them, and he still chose to shove the player that he was covering. Something like that is just a way worse than a rookie mistake. That's a, a huge, huge error in crunch time when you need to make that play. Next negative that we have is overall coaching and decision-making. What else is new for the New York Giants? Even in a win, you have to point out the mistakes that Pat Shermer and the coaching staff are making. First thing in this conversation that I want to bring up is, now you can disagree disagree with me on on this if you want to, folks, but I don't understand the decision to not kick a field goal with two seconds left I know it's 60-plus yards, but you have a kicker that has the leg to do it. We've seen him do it, and most kickers in the NFL have the leg to do it. They just need the operation to be perfect and clean. I'm not saying there's a good chance he makes it, but kickers have the capability in the NFL, if they're at this level, to make kicks like that. There's at least a chance. and there's a. I would say analytically, I would be curious to see the, the, the chances in comparison to try and throw in a, a, Hail Mary, a Hail Mary in that situation but trying to kick a field goal there, I would bet, would be a lot more likely than completing a pass that's over 40 yards with two seconds left. It's just it's something that is not the most analytically smart thing to do instead of just going off of a gut decision. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. You know, I, I think maybe perhaps they were a little bit worried about the kick falling short, you know, maybe footing issues on the field you know, in December – you know, real grass, maybe that was an issue. They were something they were concerned about. Maybe they were worried that Washington would be able to field a missed kick or perhaps a blocked kick and return that for a score for really what would be a last second heartbreaker of a loss. But the odds of making that kick are probably not any lower than making the Hail Mary, especially when the ball doesn't even get to the end zone on the Hail Mary. Time had run out, and even if Golden Tate had made the catch, he would have been short of the end zone anyway. Yeah, I would have been fine with them leaving Aldrich Rosas on the field and let him try for the career long. Even if they were worried, though, about there being a return, any good special teams coordinator works that stuff in at least once a week in, oh, we're kicking a long field goal, let's go cover it. Like they'll, they'll practice those things, and I've done that in my four years of playing in college. I've, I've had to do that in, in practice once a week. So you would at least be prepared for that situation. If you're worried about that, that's just because you're not well prepared for it. So in general, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand why you don't just take a shot and at least see if he can make it. That ended up not being the case. They do end up winning the game in overtime, so it doesn't really matter. Could have mattered if they didn't win the toss. But the other thing here that I, I want to discuss with the coaching decision is I don't get why they, they weren't running the ball as much as they should have been when they had a touchdown lead with nine minutes to go in the game. The first three plays of, of this particular drive I'm referring to were all passing plays. Now, I get you got to throw it on third down if you, if you don't have that much if you have too many yards to pick up. But three straight passing plays with a long field to go with nine minutes, I would be running it as much as I could. This game came down to 
under a minute was when the Redskins scored. So you, you need to do more to drain the clock, and you should also be relying on your running back that was averaging over five yards per carry, and he had not too many touches at that point. I think it was just getting a little too cute with things. Lean on Saquon Barkley, not really a fan of what they were doing there. Yeah, now that that was definitely a confusing decision. I don't know what they were thinking, especially since we have seen the Giants, when they have leads, go into basically a four-minute drill much earlier than that. We have seen them try to shorten games coming out of the half. I don't know if maybe they have they overcorrected and wanted to be aggressive and stick the dagger and really put the game out of reach but whatever they wanted to do whatever they were trying to do didn't work i think that does kind of lead into our next criticism of the game and at least to me that was the defense on washington's final drive i am not sure how with the game on the line, you can give up a an 18-play, 99-yard touchdown drive. I get it. The Giants' defense is not good. And really, other than the Giants' own run defense, not much defense was played at all in this game. But that is still absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, you set up the next negative we have, and it is really unacceptable. 99 yards, a great punt sets up which should have been a closeout time for the Giants, but they were able to pick up a first down on third and nine, if I'm correct, on that drive. And then they were able to march all the way down the field and score and also chew up a ton of time in the process so the Giants didn't have their own opportunity for a, a two-minute two drill and, and kick a field goal. That kind of stuff is just a, a culmination of bad coaching, Bad defense, poor performance by the young guys. Literally all the things that we just discussed. It just it all came down to that one drive. We all saw it come down there. They were out-coached, out-schemed, and out-prepared in that drive for them to string it all together. And I alluded to the punt, and that sets up the final negative that we have here today. And that is the 70-yard special teams gaffe that was the previous punt that the Giants had a great kick from Riley Dixon that was down inside the one but was called back because of a hold and then eventually the second one was blocked setting up a Redskins touchdown so that is just inexcusable out of all the things we talked about that itself is inexcusable yeah just absolutely yeah the sequence really there in the in the fourth quarter that hold on the punt to just negate what would have been an amazing special teams play. You know, great punt, great work by Cody Core to down it, and then a hold. And then you get the blocked kick, and it it really was basically a 70-yard holding penalty. And then there was another penalty, which basically moved. It didn't just flip the feet. It so, no, sorry. It basically just flipped the field. It gave took Washington from their one-yard line and put them on the Giants' one-yard line. It was incredible and not in the good way. First of all, Michael Thomas is supposed to be this elite special teams player, and then he makes a mistake like that with a hold. But the reason why it was blocked, if you go back and watch it, 
and it was said by the uh, color analyst from the game, on punt, you're not supposed to allow any inside pressure. You're supposed to protect inside out. So that means if you feel anything coming from someone to your inside shoulder, you need to transition and do whatever you can to pick that up. You need to be always looking to your inside shoulder. But instead, a huge gap was created by, I didn't see what player it was, but he decided to go to his to his outside. He was on the left side of the line, and that created a wide open lane for a block. And the rest is history. It set up a touchdown, and it, it essentially put the Redskins back in the game at that point. But the Giants ended up getting the win. They ended up getting the victory over the Redskins. It feels nice to have a win because the Giants weren't winning a lot of games early on this year. Also feels nice to beat an NFC East rival. But some of the things, though, that you, if you want to get really down to the... I'm trying to think of the way to word this. If you want to get down to the, the other implications of this game, you have to discuss what it, how it affects the draft order. And that's how we're going to finish up today's show. So right now, if we're looking at the current draft order, the way that it looks is Cincinnati is one. Washington slides up to two. Detroit is at three because they still have a game to play, if I'm correct. And the Giants are currently at four. So putting them at that four slot, it doesn't really, I would argue, does not hurt them too much. But they might be out of a chance to take Chase Young, especially if the Redskins decide to draft him there. Yeah, and I think if there was one lesson from this game, it is how much they need a player like Chase Young. They have some good role players on their defense. I would say Marcus Golden is a really good number two pass rusher. Yeah, He is currently sitting at nine and a half sacks. He has been one of the least frequently double teamed edge rushers in the game, in the NFL this year. Teams are going to be looking at the Giants tape. They will make adjustments next year. Even if James Betcher is not retained, which yeah, I would say right now that does not look likely. It does not look likely that he will be retained. Teams are going to adjust and they're assuming Golden is a Giant next year. They're going to begin to double team him. The Giants need somebody to keep that from happening. They need somebody who can legitimately frighten offenses and really dictate blocking schemes. Adding Chase Young to this defensive front with Dalvin Tomlinson and Dexter Lawrence and BJ Hill and Marcus Golden and O'Shane Zimenez and Lorenzo Carter, who had a really good game himself, that would be the finishing touch really, that could really set off this entire defense assuming the secondary takes the next step over the offseason. So at least from that long-term view, this was, and I'm using former BB Big Blue View writer uh, Kunal Shah's word for it, this really could have been a Pyrrhic victory for the Giants because I'm saying there's a chance they could still land Chase Young, but it's it's not a great one right now. <laughs> yeah, a lot of moving pieces would happen, need to happen for that to occur, and, you know, the only reason why we really decided to bring this up was just it was considered to be the game and the fight for Chase Young. And as most people are probably happy to see a Giants win, it's also at the same time you have to consider what, what happened in the back end of it. Now, if you want to be happy about the Giants won or if you want to be upset that they're losing out on Chase Young, that's entirely up to you. Just wanted to put all that out there in acknowledging where everything sits, 
where everything is currently lining up. But that's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we're not going to be giving you a breakdown show this week just because of the holiday. So today, as you might have noticed, it's a little bit longer than we typically do on the Quick Take show. This is essentially our breakdown show of the week. And just for the reason that we have the holidays this week, we have Christmas coming up at Christmas Eve. We're only going to be doing two shows. We'll be putting out the preview for the final game of the season sometime next week. We'll, we're going to make a decision on when the best time to do that is. So stay tuned and looking out for that. But be sure to rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. And also follow us on social media. Follow us at Big Blue View. And also follow me and Chris. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon, D-E-L-E-O-N-E. And also follow Chris at Raptor M-K-I-I. Feel free to tweet at us anything, any of your thoughts about the Giants season or any questions you might have. We will gladly get back to you, whether it's on the show or if it is on social media. Just feel free to reach out to us in any opportunity. Thank you for listening in, folks, and stay tuned for the next episode previewing the Philadelphia Eagles. 